Hello, and welcome to Nostalgia Arcana. I'm your host, Doug Leaf. Each episode of this podcast, we'll look back on the movies, TV, games, people, and phenomena that we still love talking about all these years later, and ask ourselves why these bits of pop culture still enchant us today. This week, we'll be revisiting... landscape is littered with also rams shows that were quickly canceled after one season there are a handful in that canon that are widely considered to be big huge mistakes Uh, i can think of uh, a few firefly comes to mind and today's subject my so-called life a show that clearly just uh, had a lot more gas in the tank before networks decided to cut it wrongfully Uh, and i'm really excited to talk about this one i know we've been promoing it for a while and this is our first episode that's going to be uh, not just one guest, but a roundtable discussion. I figured it fitting we'd have an entire clique with us to talk about my so-called life. So uh, to introduce, we have some returning folks. We have, of course, you know her, you love her, uh, from the Power Ballads episode, my wife, Amy Leaf. Hi, how's everyone doing? And from our Goonies episode, fresh off the glow of Kihi Kwan's Oscar win, Tanya Newton. Good evening, everyone. And the pride of Irvine. Kristen Perez. Oh, pop in my podcast, Cherry. <laughs> a fitting subject, I think, for, for my so-called life. So I know you guys all were like gung-ho to talk about my so-called life. So uh, I, I want to hear why. Uh, we'll start with you, Tanya, I guess. All right. Well, this was a show that took place, what, 95? So we are all 41, 42 years old. So Mark this was three. right. All right, Doug. <laughs> a little bit older. But this was a show that was right in like the perfect nook of us being 14 and angsty and just feeling all the feels and it not being glossy. And I think just being, as I warned, ugh, it just it, it hits you in the feels in just the right way. And every time I watch it or every time I encourage someone to watch it, I'm just like, oh, you it just makes you feel 15 again. And I think it's just, it brings me back to, to having too many feelings and not being able to process them. Amy, how about you? Yeah, definitely the same. I mean, there's so much about the show that resonates with like, not that I had boyfriends, but being boy crazy and having problems with friends and just kind of being in school while all of that is happening. So it just, a lot of it just kind of felt, felt like something I was experiencing alongside of the characters like they would have been maybe maybe Angela would have been my friend and we would have been experiencing this like stuff together so just a lot of familiarity with the the topic Kristen um I don't know the ages from 15 to 25 is like a blur (laughs) I don't know exactly when I connected with this show I think it was you know in my early 20s I don't think I watched this when you know it was it came out so I think what I loved about the show is I kind of was being able to process my teenage years like in hindsight. So I kind of looked back in the rearview mirror like, oh, wow, these ages, this age was hard. Like, there was so much going on. Is that what we gave you, the DVDs? Yeah, and I think yeah. I was in my 20s. So I, I just appreciated it for, like, looking back on that age. It's funny. I, I don't have nostalgic memories for the show. This was my first time watching it. I think we dipped a toe into it once maybe a year ago. And so this time I sat down and we watched all 19 episodes. My memories of it, I I remember it being on. I I remember not watching it at the time. But sort of speaking to your perspective, Kristen, I remember seeing that box set of my so-called life DVDs in so many dorm rooms and apartments in college and around that time because I think so, so many people can identify with this. I definitely did not watch it and feel 
uh, a kinship with it, uh, Angela or, you know, the just, she was not my character. I watched her and went, well, I must be Brian Krakow. That's, that's mm-hmm. who I am in this scenario. But yeah, it really captures just that moment in the night. Feel, feeling was like to be in high school in the nineties. It's perfect. I mean, I think a good contrast, you have like my so-called life and then you have 90210 and you had, and 90210 was, was so glossy and beautiful and bright and shiny. And this was, I think a more realistic version of being 15 and four, you know, whatever, 15 or 16 years old and liking a boy. And it wasn't about, I, I don't know. I mean, there was, without getting too much into it, like the symbolism or the how powerful it was to hold a boy's hand. It wasn't about, it was those smaller, more intimate feelings than it was sort of that, like, again, the more teen bop drama show, which don't get me wrong. I love 90210 too, but this holds my heart in a very specific way. And so I think there is a contrast between this being a little more that gritty and that more intimate than sort of there, there's just a different feel than something like that. And so I think a lot of that like is attributed to like the, the cast of characters too. And like their acting's acting abilities. I feel like Claire Danes has like a depth that like no offense to Shannon Doherty. She just doesn't have. Yeah. So I feel like it would have been a completely different show had it not been Claire Danes. And I know, I think I read something recently that it was like Alicia Silverstone was like possibly no. one of the contenders and it would have been, I feel like because of the cast that they picked, it just, it resonated more than I mean, like a 90210. You love how Claire Danes cries in this show. Yeah. That is one thing that you always do I come back quiver. to. Yeah. I feel like that was one of the things I was going to mention too about like, why does it resonate so much with you is because it helps you tap into that emotion. Like if you have, if you need to cry, you just watch Angela cry and she'll bring those emotions to you and you can like let it all out. Yeah. I think what you're speaking to is that, you know, 90210 and shows like it are the fantasy of what high school is like. And this is much more the reality of what high school is like. Not to say that there aren't, you know, things aren't amped up or there aren't fantastical elements to it. There's at least like two episodes with ghosts. Um, but, <laughs> but like it is still, but by and large, like the emotional truth of what's going on in these episodes is absolutely like true to life it's it, to me it's it reminds me a lot of the breakfast club and there's not quite a one-to-one correspondence from those five characters to like these five main characters but it's close like, there's a lot of mixing and matching of like yeah jordan catalano is judd nelson's character pretty much you know so uh, it, there's something about that truth of feeling like in high school and lost and not knowing who you are and not knowing how to process your emotions that this absolutely taps into yeah i don't know about anyone else here but it was funny watching it this time around, like recently, is because I connected so much more to Patty and the parent mm-hmm. characters. Like I never even paid attention to their storyline. I thought it was so boring. But I was like, oh my gosh, now that we have kids, it's like, oh, how's it gonna be to have like a fifteen year old in the house? Like mm-hmm. it looks so hard. And I just sympathized with her so much more. I don't know what to make of the parent characters. I, I wasn't sure how everyone felt about them. I still think Patty is obnoxious. I think she's such a nag. I think she's a nag on Graham. I think she's a nag on her daughters. But I love those scenes when, like, Angela's, like, flitting through when she's clearly happy. And she's, like, happy with her parents. And they both look at each other like, what just happened? And they just, like, take it for the moment because it's that is so the exception. But, oh, yeah, no, I still, I still, maybe because I just, every time I, I watch a show, I lock right into, like, that 15-year-old self. But that's funny. I hadn't thought about it from, like, the parent perspective. Um, because even in the first episode, the pilot, like, Patty, the mom, is, runs the company for the, <clears throat> that keeps her family, like, makes the money for the family. The dad, I don't know what he does. He's, like, a stay-at-home dad, or he's maybe works for Patty. Yeah. He does it first, yeah. Yeah, at first he works for her. And so it was just, like, the reason why she's an ag is because she's, like, keeping the family, like, moving forward. Like, she runs the family. And I don't know. I just, I connected with her. I think that they, like, had to go on, like, two sides of the extreme just to, like, bring out, like, your connection to your parents. So, like, you've got the one parent who's, like, the nag and, like, but they're dependable. And then you have, like, the fun dad who, like, maybe bends the rules a little bit. I think that just this show works better having that, like, dynamic mm-hmm. rather than point. having, like, two, like, no, quote-unquote normal parents. Do you mean if they were better at parenting, the yeah. show wouldn't work? Well, I think they're good <laughs> parents. And I think, like, Graham tries maybe a little bit too hard 
and Patty, Patty like doesn't quite know how to connect with her kids, but she's there when you need her. Yeah. Which is what I love about that character. And, and Angela always calls her when she needs her. Yeah. Which is like always a sweet moment to see. Yeah. Yeah. In watching the parent dynamic, I kind of felt like Patty's problem throughout the show was like, she just sort of commands things sometimes instead of just straight, just why not just ask Angela what she's going through and let her tell you. And I feel like a lot of problems could have been solved if she was just more interested in listening to her perspective than just kind of shutting her down and saying, like, nope, you can't do that. Well, why shouldn't you do that? Why is it a bad idea? Why do you want to do that? You know, work through that. And and maybe there would have been a little more or a little less friction. But then again, it's a drama. You want you need that friction. And I think when we learn more about like Patty's character, like further down the line where she had like a lost love. Like there were chances where she could have connected more with Angela and it just doesn't for some reason. Like she has that like unrequited love with someone that I think happens like towards the end of the series. Yeah. Um, like, like the last episode. If she opened up more about like her own personal circumstances and maybe that's something like, I don't know how much are we going to share with like our kids about like our, our lovers and things when they're 15, 16. I think that's like a lost opportunity for Patty. Yeah, she doesn't relate to her kids. She right. definitely doesn't relate to Angela. Does anybody here have a like a favorite character? Like which one or which one do you identify with the most? I think like I wanted to be more like Angela in high school, but I feel like I'm definitely more of a Brian Krakow. <laughs> like kind of on the outskirts, like wanting to fit in a little bit and like not quite knowing like how to connect with people. Um, like a little bit awkward. I think I'm I'm a Brian. And that's not to say that he's, like, my favorite character, but, like, yeah. I think if I had to pick myself out of them, I'm a Brian. That's a really fun insight. I never would have even thought about that. For you, even. I really like that. I don't know. I feel like Sharon is probably, I don't know. You like, mean <laughs> <laughs> Before we started, we were trying to go over the characters, and Kristen was like, what's her name, Deborah? <laughs> She's just sort of the, like, generic best friend. Like <laughs> She could be a Deborah. Interchangeable name. Generic name, but I feel like Sharon is sort of capable. I mean, she she was sort of popular, but not really. She had the popular boyfriend, boyfriend. so I think, and yeah. and her like body made her popular, so she yeah. became popular. None of that it, was me, but I feel like it. I wasn't as like I don't know. I guess I like boys in the same way like Angela did, but I don't know if I. You definitely were more on like the. The like ASB and the yeah. yearbook and yeah. like the like popular the Sharon side of like, like the popular stuff. nerd group, which I mean we fair. all kind of yeah. were. Fair. I mean I would I wasn't like popular, yeah. but like, what do you yeah. think, Kristen? I guess Angela and Sharon, a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, lately Patty. <laughs> <laughs> They're definitely the most quote unquote normal characters on the show. Angela and Sharon, I mean, and they are, you know, former best friends. That makes sense. And I saw Sharon's struggle as kind of like, you know, the, the universe wants her to be normal and she wants to be normal. And every time, like, some instinct within her kind of bubbles up and wants to buck against that, it, that's where, like, trouble starts for her, which is like, no, I want, you know, she's like, well, I don't want to be just stared at for my body, but I also really like this guy. And I really like all of those, like, competing emotions within her. It was interesting to sort of watch her struggling because she is sort of like this satellite on the outside of the other main characters. Yeah. It would have been fun to like dive into her, like had there been a season two, like one where you kind of like follow her around. Like the Sharon episode. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I have here in Wikipedia what a few of the things would have been for a second season or planned ideas. And one yeah. was for her to get pregnant. I totally um, hate that. Amy sent me a link for whatever the like planned um, season two, and I hated almost the entire. Uh, and that that to me really pissed me off. Why don't you share like all the things so Kristen yeah, knows all okay. of it? Okay, I'll just read yeah. it here. There's a short paragraph in Wikipedia, so whatever this is, what it's worth. Planned storylines had the show continued when creator Winnie Holzman said a second season would potentially have seen Patty and Graham getting a divorce. Which they were certainly laying track for. I mean, I'm for. okay with that portion. It's fine. Like I said, they were laying the track for it, right? Yeah. Like they were clearly having problems. He's semi cheating or about he, this to is cheat. not his first time having emotional um, cheating. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, so Angela turning to Brian for comfort. Again, at the very end, they lay out that possibility. Uh, Sharon dealing with a teen pregnancy and Brian and Delia getting together at some uh. point. 
There was something else that that when Amy sent me the link that was like, and Brian and Angela just make oh. eyes at each other for the whole season because Angela and Jordan are together, and Brian's with whatever that girl is, and I'm just like, I don't know. I guess I could see it, but I just I found the whole the whole premise of season two to be very disappointing. I just don't see Brian and Angela having a romantic. I don't know. Connection. I feel. I mean, I think we should go through part of the season first, but I don't know. Like that. You see Brian through the whole season, like, love her. And Angel just never appreciate Brian for anything. And then the last episode, just been like, what? It just opens yeah. it up. I just think it would be unfair that Brian then got tied down with someone else. It just seems like that would be, like, a season three problem. And then Angel would be the one mooning over her in season three if Brian was single in season two. Yeah. I don't think Angela and Brian Krakow are meant to date in high school, but I definitely think they get married in, in their 20s. Oh, I like yeah. yeah. I could see that. Yeah, I think it would be nice. I, I mean, a season two would have dealt with that content of, like, you know, really wanting someone um, who is just, you know, they might appreciate it. They might, you know, think you're a perfectly fine person, but they just don't have feelings for you. Uh, I mean, that's certainly my high school experience. <laughs> but Right person, um, wrong time. Perhaps, Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that could have been interesting to explore with that character. But, yeah, I don't think she's he's quite right for her. And I don't think Jordan is right for her. We haven't talked about Jordan Catalano much, but I was under the impression that he would be such this, like, focal point for the season. And he sort of is and he sort of isn't. Um, I'm curious, to, before I say what my opinion of, of Jordan Catalano is, I want to see what you guys think of him. Chris, do mind? Go first. Oh, my goodness. Um, he's just the dreamboat that is unavailable and unattainable um but fun to fantasize about Mm -hmm. that's you know the role that he plays in the show for me like there's just not much substance to him um but he is older and mysterious and can show you the way (laughs) (laughs) he does seem older but i don't know that they ever address like what his actual age is well he's driving and but he has been held back a couple times Okay. Because so I think he's like two years older than her. He's like in the same classes, but he's definitely older. I think he's been held back twice. Okay. But I think there was an episode towards the second half when, so they're actually dating. When they go to the house to mm-hmm. try to, like, when they're going to try to have, like, and the, um, Hallie, is that her name? Yeah. The, the restaurateur. Mm-hmm. She sort of summarizes it for Patty and she's like, you know, he's kind of checked out. He's not, maybe he's not super dumb. But there's, it's not all there. And I felt like that was actually very accurate to being 41 and sort of being like, yeah, that's probably about accurate. I found it to be, but you, exactly. He is just like the teenage dreamboat with those eyes. And the guitar. And the the red car. And there's like the scene where they're breaking up and she's like putting her fingers through his hair and like, it's so soft. (laughs) At least you got in some driving practice. Yeah. Just, uh, don't take your turns too wide or anything. I'm sure you won't. Sometimes someone says something really small and it just fits right into this empty place in your heart. He's like the boy that you have the crush on, but you don't know why, like, you don't know anything about him, 
you just think he's hot. And then when you start to like, like together with him or like try to, you learn that like, okay, maybe he's not that great of a guy. Like Like, half the boys we had nicknames for in high school mm -hmm. or like the barista I dated at Mm -hmm. the office that for a a while. (laughs) I think like when I was 15, 16 watching this, I thought he was like the bee's knees and he was so hot and like. I didn't remember having like any negative feelings about him. Just like, why doesn't he like Angela? And now watching it, I'm like, why the fuck does she like him? There's nothing like redeemable about it. So he's good looking, but like so many other people are good looking. What is he? And he doesn't like redeemable when you say that though, but he is, he has moments of thoughtfulness. Like when he kind of is like thoughtful with Ricky and he kind of helps out Ricky a little bit. Like in the Christmas episode, he takes him to, like the shelter or he takes him to that house, which is not great, but it's helping him, you know, in small increments or when he's actually strangely nice to Brian, Mm -hmm. he's not like just a a dick. He, you know, he runs with like a shitty group of guys, but he himself is not necessarily like an outright dick. I think as his default position, I don't think that's why like Angela is attracted to him though. No, you're right. Those are things. Those are like, Oh, he happens to be nice to Ricky once in a while, or he happens to be this, but like her initial attraction to him has nothing to do with any of those characteristics. Totally fair. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he was a shit bird. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, would you have been friends with Jordan Catalano? No, no. I mean, I wouldn't have have tutored Jordan Catalano. I I would have been more likely to do that. Would you have written his papers for him? I would not have done that. I would not have written letters. No, I would not have written his papers. I would not have been his Cyrano de Bergerac, as uh, Brian is at the end of of season one. My problem with him was, I think I really fell off with him in that episode where he's like really pressuring her to have sex with him, and he's pretty awful about it. The way he kind of goes about it, and there's a later episode where they deal a lot with him, like. Does he not want to be seen with her in public? He won't, like, talk to her. It's very weird. You're and thinking of the episode right before it. You're thinking of self-esteem. Okay. That's my favorite episode. The hands. The hand-holding. And when he's horrible to her at Buffalo Tom. Yeah, all that stuff where it's like, okay, is it just that he just wants to you know, get laid and that's it? Does he, you know, they do show flashes of, like, okay, where they're trying to get you to empathize with him more. But, like, he's barely literate. And he is, you know, there There are, I think someone describes him in the show as, as having all of this, like, wasted potential. And I think that is the key to him, is that, like, they want to show you, like, there is potential there. And maybe in subsequent seasons, they would have, mm-hmm. he would have come out a little more. And I, I imagine that that's where they wanted to go with him. But, yeah, yeah, at first, you know. And they don't, like, they can't, they don't show that on the show. Or that he's got, like, a learning disability. I think there's probably maybe a bit of both. Well, it's definitely yeah. both. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely learning disability because they address that. that but yeah, he's definitely a stoner too. He's definitely yeah. just well. He's like, doing the eye drops all the time, yes, which is like oh, yes, that a is a signal. Clue. Yeah, that's a '90s signal without saying. Does it. he seem like stonery or like drunky? Like, what is his drug of choice? I think stoner. Yeah, yeah, Christian's like, right. Kind of like just aloof and yeah. like yeah. isn't really present. You know, yeah. like that's, I think, a little bit of being stoned. Yeah. I liked, I mean, you saw in the, was it the episode six, The Substitute? I had to go look it up. So when they have this, you know, mm-hmm. they, they try to basically do a mini version of Dead Poets Society. Yeah. And you see him, like, responding to this, this uh, kind of semi-fraudulent substitute teacher. And they're like, that that's the moment where you're like, okay, I think I'm going to connect with this guy. And there's going to be something in there that gets unlocked. Then they kind of retreat from that, and they don't get back to it. And again, maybe you know, season two, three, whatever they would have done. Is that like a commentary on like teachers and like how just because it's like he's the one he's like he's the best teacher I ever had because he's the one teacher that gave him attention and like gave him a a chance and like dove deeper. So I just wonder, like, is it like are they trying to say something about like the education system? It's probably not. Oh, they're definitely saying that the system failed him. Yeah, to some degree. Yeah, that's definitely in there. Well, you come in with like a like a with like a reputation Mm -hmm. and right. You just kind of, the other teachers hear about you. Right. So they're not willing to like, they're like, Oh, he's just a stoner. I'm not going to worry too much about him. He's failed a couple years. Right. Where I think that's a really fun episode. If we're going to sort of talk about episodes, like it's fun. It's definitely, what do they call Is that what they call like a pocket episode or? No, uh, you're talking of a bottle episode. Bottle episode. No, which is not exactly, but it's just very specifically like, it's this kind of cool episode that's just sort of singularly focused on that substitute. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and they and, and where you kind of see how he pulls out different facets of each of these characters that you didn't see prior to the episodes previous to it. I just think what you did yesterday wasn't right. I mean, in terms of common courtesy. I just think it showed a lack of respect. You mean when I threw your work out the window? Yeah. I mean, that oak tree poem? That was mine. Oh. I put a lot of thought into that. Did you? Yes. I mean, why'd you do it? Why did I do it? Good question. I did it to clear the slate. I did it to wake you up. I did it to do something. To find you. And now guess what? Here you are, wide awake, right in front of me. I mean, wasn't that worth it? I mean, that, um, uh, poem, that, uh, oak tree poem. (laughs) That was yesterday. What are you going to write today? Good question. Yeah, he challenges them. Yeah. And you see where Angela, who is usually a pretty quiet character, kind of come out of her shell and really fight for him. You see how he helps Jordan. You see where Sharon sort of she like embraces her sexuality a little bit. And I think it amplifies like Rayanne, which we haven't even talked about. We haven't even talked about Rayanne. We haven't even talked about (laughs) There's so much to unpack with Rayanne. BTW, she's royalty or some kind of British aristocracy. A lady, I think, or a what is she? She married into it, yeah. Countess. Yes. She's a countess. She's a great character. I really like oh, her. I think she's the, well, she's probably the second best actress on the show. Like, Claire she's Danes obviously so well is the acting. winner, but I feel like it's such a, like, a AJ understated AJ Langer. It's like. Phenomenal actress. Like, I wish we'd seen more of her besides just, yeah. like, People Under the Stairs, which she was in, funnily enough. Like, I think she could have. Really. Did Claire Danes win an? She won an Emmy or a Golden she Globe did. for this, right? And I don't know that Rayanne was even nominated. She should. She was she very, very good. She yeah. could have been definitely an award winner. Well, I like that they have. So her two best friends are Rayanne and Ricky, both of whom are from what are clearly troubled homes, yeah. to, maybe to a greater degree with Ricky. Um, I feel like it's they they. There's like hints of that with Jordan as well. That like we never see his family, but something's up. I think um, he he relates you know. to Ricky at some point with like my father beats me or something. Yeah. Not so much anymore now that I'm bigger. Something like that yeah. that he says. But yeah, he's got a home home issues too. Yeah, I, I thought that was interesting that the show even in, I mean that's a that's some heavy stuff to bring out in its first season that both of these characters have pretty uh, unconventional and not great home lives. It's kind of un. Oh, go ahead, Kristen. I was going to say, like, I always, I was questioning, like, what draws Rayanne to Angela? I mean, they're kind of polar opposites, right? And so what Angela likes about Rayanne is that she's, like, wild and crazy and unleashing this, like, not freedom in her. Yeah. Yeah. And then Rayanne's kind of clutching for that, like, stability, I guess. Mm. That's what she likes about her. But she's trying to take her away from that stability. She's, like, almost trying to, like, make her a little carbon copy of herself. Like, make her a more, like go out and party type of gal. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't really know like why they became friends. You know, you never see the origin story yeah. of that. And I'm like, I wonder how that's They must've both been like seeking something additional in their lives. Yeah. Well, they're complimentary, right? Like, as you said, Rayanne is constantly trying to get Angela to come out of her shell, to be yeah. more of a free spirit, but they don't even, like, they, it's commented upon, like eventually they, they wind up at Rayanne's house and we meet her mom. But it's been they've been friends for a long time before they ever go over to Rayanne's house. Like right, an abnormally months. long time. Like I can't imagine being friends with somebody at, around that age and not going over to their house at least once in six months. I mean, I think like I don't know that I ever got bored with you guys. I mean, we were all friends in high school, yeah. and I don't think we ever had like bored situations. But I think there were times where like I know there was a friend that you had that you kind of like went off with like Carrie do you remember her and she was more <laughs> right. of like the the cooler like not quite the Rayanne no, like type the Rayanne-ish. but like Rayanne yeah. on the Free spirit yeah yeah whereas like most of our like experiments with like drinking and stuff I mean that came a little bit later so I could see how one of us would maybe have like kind of gone out of this like gone away from like the center like had we been 
I don't know. Most of our, ex- like, we were experimental more together rather mm, than, like, right. we didn't seek it outside as much. So maybe Sharon wasn't, like, fun enough for Angela. Just changing. I think she was trying to figure out what her boundaries were. I think she was testing those limits. Like, as for an example, I went to Tulane, I think, because I wasn't, I didn't want to have some of the same thing. Not that I didn't want to go to Berkeley and be with Kristen or something like that, but I think it was exciting to try something different mm-hmm. and maybe be a different version of yourself. Yeah. And I think maybe that's what Angela was trying to do was see what could you, how could you be you, but be a little bit different and not, if you're going to school with the same exact people that know exactly what you are and have your exact, the exact expectations for what you are and who, you know, how do you branch out? How do you sort of grow? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find something different without some of those I don't want to put it as like a constraint, but I think is not always being reminded of, well, your mom wouldn't like that or Mm -hmm. something to that effect. Um, I think she was looking for something different as how can I be different? You know, even in that first episode, even in the pilot where Sharon sort of is like, I bet Patty hates your hair Mm -hmm. is she knows Sharon's still always at touchstone, but she can try something new with Rayanne and, and um, Ricky. I like that she, like, gets to a point where, like, at some point, like, Rayanne and Sharon are kind of friends. And then at some point, like, um, Angela still is able to have those connections with two. Because it's so important to have, like, the friend that you've had forever and then the new friends. And then it all kind of, like, merges together until, like, I don't know that Rayanne and Angela would have been friends, like, past high school. Like, maybe they're, yeah. like, Angela would have gone on to, to college and, like. You know, Sharon new would have always been there, I but think. she would have gone back to to Sharon at some point. Like they would have been probably, I think they would have been friends forever. But even you know, in that episode about the sex, Angela felt comfortable talking to Sharon. She knew where her sort of home base was, and that she could ask Sharon without. You know, she was shy about it, but she knew she could safely ask Sharon about sex questions that she probably wouldn't have been able to ask without fear of maybe being teased, mm-hmm. um, like to Rayanne. Do you think, like, Rayanne and Angela, like, was Rayanne a good friend to Angela? I know there's an episode where they dive into that, and Rayanne says, like, I was never a good friend to you, or you didn't lose anything when they have their, like, falling out. But do you think, like, Rayanne is a good friend? Well, if I recall correctly, does Rayanne end up sleeping with Jordan? Uh Uh-huh. Okay, well, that's a pretty big, like, I don't know. I think that kind of is not a good friend, obviously. Right. But it's they're a, so yeah. young. I mean, like, you can't be a perfect friend when you're 15 and 16. It's like... But doesn't mean she didn't help her grow. I think that's a big part. That That's just a huge fuck-up. But I think she helped her maybe learn more about herself. But that's, you know, that's a, clearly a deal-breaker. Well, it's a nuclear bomb she drops on their friendship by doing that. And you watch her kind of the way she panics when she realize, you know, realizes how devastating this was to Angela how it affects her and her struggles against her addiction problems. Like it just sends her spiraling. And I did like, I really liked the uh, our town episode and the way they, they kind of brought that around. I know that's one of your favorite moments. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Goodbye world. Goodbye Grover's corners. Mama, Papa. Goodbye to clock sticky. Any human beings ever realize life while they live it? Every, every minute? No, saints and poets, maybe. They do some. I'm ready to go back. Are you happy? No. I should have listened to you. But that's all human beings are. Just blind people. Amy loves that scene. Amy loves that it's scene. It's the acting. So much. It's so yeah. good. She's getting misty. It's the cry. Yeah, it's so the cry. It's Claire Danes crying. It's Rayanne crying. Yeah. 
I, I just love how Rayanne is like, you just, you didn't like, you, you like, I lost a really good friend and you just, you didn't lose anything. And I think somebody says it, I think it's Ricky that says like, she got to be you for one night. And that yeah. was her opportunity to like step into your shoes. Right. Because I think we think so much about the relationship from Angela's point of view. And you don't really think about it from Rayanne's point of view is that Rayanne was gaining probably a lot more than Angela ever was. Angela's learning herself who she is, what maybe she's different than what she's grown up to be. But, but Rayanne was getting a steadying force where she wasn't, her life was, her mother was very loving. I, th- I don't think that that's uncontested, but just not present. I don't think yeah. her mother didn't love her. Yeah. But it just wasn't a stable relationship the way that like Patty really was. It's like kind of an unfortunate like view of like a single mother. (laughs) Like it's kind of like sad that that's the one example that they like, that the the one kid that has like that we see that doesn't have like two parents together is struggling with addiction. Well, also, I mean, yeah, Rayanne's mom is not just a single mother. She is a wildly inconsistent, unpredictable, unreliable person. So their relationship reflect like you, you understand why Rayanne is so quote unquote self sufficient is she has to be she's you know she's basically taking care of herself yeah to a large degree and to say something like that like oh well you know you you lost a friend you didn't really lose a friend because I'm so shitty that my absence doesn't hurt you um, that's an incredibly self loathing thing thing to say like you see like that moment of just like no wonder she's glommed on to Angela so much because like, Oh, I, I do want the life that you've had. I do want to, I, I if it, even if it means stepping into your shoes to sleep with your boyfriend, um, you know, I, I do want to be you on some level. There's a scene in um, maybe it's the weekend episode. So one of the last episodes where they've already had, where mm-hmm. Ryan's already slept with Jordan and I don't remember exactly which episode, and Rayanne sort of says something to Ricky about, well, I'm I'm going to be with the chases. And you see in Rayanne sort of has this, you see it go through her face, like all these emotions kind of flash and she sort of, you see her reflect and then she has to sort of shrug it off. And it's just this very quiet moment of beautiful acting. I wish I remembered it off the top of my head. Um, Is it when she's like chained to the, the bed? Can no, the I think I want to say they're maybe in school and she kind of, you see her sort of reflect and kind of have to shrug it off because look, she's she's owning what she did, and she's very sad about that. But it's not like I think she's sort of trying to not dwell on it at some point. Um, I'm sure she's fighting with herself and what she's done. But there's this. I wish I'll have to show you guys later. Yeah. But it's really this beautiful, small, small moment, and just goes to show I think how fantastic of an actress that uh, Rayanne or the what's her name AJ Langer. I think she was fantastic, and that was just one small moment. Was Rayanne drunk when she had sex with Yes, Florida? yes, oh. yes. And Brian Krakow videotaped it. Which then goes back to Brian Krakow is just always, he's just always there. And I don't know if he, I mean, it was clearly just like an accident. But he's always just there and weirdly like looking out for her or trying, I don't know, because he's obsessed with her. And it's not always in a positive way. Yeah, I mean, was that the right decision? I mean, it's probably better that she knows and she saw, like, yeah. she could have seen the tape. But, like, if Brian really was, like, the good friend, like, was it, is it better that he wouldn't have said anything at all? I don't know. It's self, it was a self, I mean, I think. He, oh, it was he, very selfish. Like, he wanted, he wanted her to find out, even though he kind of, like, pretended, like, you don't want to see the tape and, like. He wanted it to get out. His, it was a mess. His motives are murky. It doesn't mean he made the wrong choice ethically. Assuming his motives are pure, it still might be ethically correct that, like, you should probably know mm-hmm. that your friends betrayed you in But this it wasn't way, the right but... reason. Like, I don't know that he did it for that. No, he did it to he... blow up the relationship right. so he could move in and try and get Angela. Yeah, no 100%. Question. Um, Chris, did any other, like, storylines from the season that really spoke to you that we haven't touched on yet? Well, I only watched, rewatched three episodes. Okay. <laughs> out of 18, so, or 19. Um, so the episode that I just watched today was the, um, other people's mothers, other people's mothers, um, because I just saw it by the the title and like the whole mother daughter thing is like very fascinating to me. And, um, speaking of Rayanne's mom, it's like Rayanne was turning out just like her mom, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're so similar. And then that goes to show that Angela is way more like Patty than she wants to even admit. 
and like you come out and turn out like your parents. You don't want to, but yeah. you can't help it. You're, you know, part of them and you turn it into them in some ways. So, um, yeah, that episode was interesting. I, I do remember watching that one and being like, I did resonate with me as being more as an adult. Even it wasn't even so much as like Angela and Patty as Patty and her mother. Yes. And yes. So, what I thought was actually interesting is because there's a whole storyline about how Patty's adopted. Yes. But the but the actress they chose to be Patty's mother is very similar yes. in like just everything phys- physically. They look very similar. So I thought it was kind of actually a weird. Not that as if you're adopted that you're not going to look like a polar opposite of who your adopted parents are, but. For whatever reason, it's like they made a concerted effort mm-hmm. to pick somebody haircut, body type, very, very similar, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was interesting. But it almost goes to show like it's nurture over nature, like something. Yeah. In yeah. Some ways. yeah. <laughs> we haven't really talked about Ricky too much yet and um, a little bit, but I thought he was a really interesting character because one, just to have a, a gay character. Uh, in, in the, the 90s. early 90s yeah early especially 90s. especially when a lot of like sitcom stuff in the 90s there was so much gay panic nonsense of like half the plot lines of like friends are like uh-oh someone thinks chandler's gay you know and they have to like work around this like farce because of that to hear like have a very realistically portrayed gay character and as i recall he never we never see him have a relationship with any he never has any romantic relationships he like, likes that boy doesn't he he does yes. have a crush on Jordan. A little. He has little, and he has a crush on the, yeah, but, some Corey Helflick or something like that. Helfrick? Helfrick? Yeah. But basically, he doesn't have a romantic plot line throughout this season. So it's sort of like all the downsides of being a gay teen in the 90s and none of the upside. So like you see him like that episode where he brings a gun to school because he's being so bullied. And then we get the back half of the season where they don't come out and say it, but that's probably the reason he was kicked out of his parents' house and has nowhere to live, like has happened to, unfortunately, so many people. I was incredibly shocked to see that in a show from this era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely um, novel. And that's what's nice is this is a show that I think is, again, it goes back to it's just the feelings are more real. They're more intimate. It's not. And, and they brought in different, like very complex storylines. That had there been a second season, you definitely could have dove in a little bit deeper into the rant, the Ricky, some of that other stuff. But it it was very special, and I think that was part of it. And then, um, oh gosh, what's his name that does that plays Ricky? He's been in quite a lot of things. Oh gosh, I, I have a Wikipedia here. here. Give me a second. Ricky is played by Wilson Cruz, and he you know he's been on like uh, West Wing and other things, and he's. Uh, He's fantastic, and he's always been like very emotive. But it is, it is, it's very special because that's not something that I think you ever had a, like a serious plot line for somebody, especially not a teenager. So where are we going? Um, uh, let me think. Um, look, you, you need some place to crash. I know a place. Thanks. My old man used to knock me around, too. He did? Hasn't done in a couple years, though. He's too scared. Because the last time... I threw a chair at him. Well, I'm gonna light a candle for you on Christmas Eve. Oh, yeah? I think that changes anything. Uh-huh. Well, do you think that's one reason why the show didn't get continued? Like, this was a little bit ahead of its time, and oh, people definitely. weren't ready for this, necessarily to embrace this kind of subject matter for teenagers. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to know, you know, the the alchemy that goes on behind the scenes in television production I mean, they have a raw number of, like, here's what our ratings are. But I bet it's hard to know why. And, again, you have a show like this that really appeals to a, you know, a teen demographic, and they're probably all chasing, a, you know, 20, 20 to 40-year-olds. Right. And so people may- who actually buy things. People who buy things, exactly. And so I'm sure they were going, like, uh, people want more friends in Seinfeld. This makes people feel sad. So maybe maybe this show isn't going to make it. But 
which is yeah. like weird because like I will watch like the teen shows now. Totally. Like, so I feel like if I was in my 20s or 30s or my 40s, like I am now, like I would have watched a My So Called Life. Like, but do you think this show was special because it only had one season? Yeah, I 100%. think it totally was. Yeah. Oh, it, I mean, like most shows, you never know. Like, if it had run like, you know, five, six, seven seasons by the time they're, you know, are, are we going to have them pretending to be in high school yeah, <laughs> when they're too old? Yeah. You know, right? <laughs> or are we going to like try and concoct reasons for them all to stay really close together when they should graduate and disperse? Or, yeah, they're forever you know. young in this yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, it's a great way. We can one... think about all the possibilities that could have happened in the future. There is one thing on the show we haven't talked about yet, which we have to talk about because it stands out to me, which is the fashion on the show. <laughs> <laughs> the flannel, all the flannel. It is wild. Up. Like, even for the 90s, this is like, especially poor, like, Sharon, the stuff they put her in, where it's like, it's a vest in the front and a couch in the back. Like, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, they built they built it up a little bit more. Like, I don't remember wearing quite that much. I remember wearing dickies and, like, t-shirts. Like, not so like much, I had like... Two, two flannel shirts, but they were in very heavy rotation. Yeah. Well, this was in Pittsburgh, so definitely a far away, a ways away from California in yeah. our style. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it still felt like an episode of Blossom, like, had sex with a four <laughs> non-blondes video and the Spin Doctors, and it all just exploded. Like, it's... It, like, it, I feel like there's a lot of mixing and matching of colors and patterns going on in these really crazy ways. It definitely mm-hmm. wasn't Vidalia's catalog. No. Yeah. No, that's funny. Yeah. Grunge. Yeah. It was grunge. Yeah. Speaking of grunge, I thought the musical choices on the show were, were pretty solid. <laughs> I mean, they know, Amy Person know, like my just this, the what I think of when I think of my so-called life is the Buffalo Tom episode, which is self-esteem, which is the hand-holding episode. To me, that episode is just, it's so silly, but like the romance of just the holding hands and how horrible he was to her at the concert. And then the same song to play back when they're, you know, they're in the hallway and Angela's with, and she's just like, I'm done. I'm going to be done with him and fuck this guy. And he's so horrible. And she's kind of, you know, she's almost making up with Sharon a little bit. And she's like, I'm going to just rewrite my story and I'm going to be done with that. And then he's looking at her. I've watched this scene. So I, I've, I can't even think of how many times I've watched this scene on YouTube, on whatever. And she's she's standing there at her locker and Ryan and Ricky are there and they're talking and you can see her kind of and she does this like hair flip thing. And they're like clearly talking about Jordan across the locker. And Jordan is talking to who who is actually in real life, his brother, Shannon, mm-hmm. who's an asshole in the show. And they're clearly then talking about them. And Brian is like in the middle watching this whole thing happen. And then Jordan just is like, I'm done. I want to talk to her. I want to be with her. And like in slow-mo walks over to her and you can just hear like the beginning guitar and it just goes on. And I feel like you need to like play Buffalo Tom at some point during this episode, Doug, <laughs> to like... To Noted. Like, As she's as she as he's approaching, you see, and this is like a real life thing because you could just see this happening in high school. And Ricky and he goes, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And Rayanne or what the two of them are saying it, and so they're all just trying to play it cool, but everybody knows what's happening. And he's like, can I talk to you? And then she's like, yeah, because what else is she gonna do? She like loves him, and they walk off, and she's trying to be cool, and then he just grabs her hand, and you're just like. This is what, at 15, you want a boy to, like, recognize you in the hallway and this be so important. 
and the and like the electric guitar is going and my heartstrings at 41 years old just I will I will cry on the spot right now when I watch that episode and then and you see Ricky I'm not Ricky Brian just watching this and like his heart breaking a little bit more every time and then Sharon's like don't forget about the geometry review and Brianne is just so happy in this moment. It's like, she already forgot. <laughs> and it's just this perfect, like, button on this episode where he was so fucking horrible to her. And she just put herself out there, and she did not want to. And Rayanne and Sharon made her at, go to that stupid concert where yeah. she had to go there, and he was just so fucking horrible. And finally standing up for himself and being like, no, I like her. I love this episode so much. I mean, like, this is the episode... Holding hands at being 15 was just so important. Well, that That's heart what it was. flutter that you have yes. about liking the boy and then this to me was like the, the epicness. Yeah. This was the epicness of the show that was, was just seeing this. Yeah, and so self-esteem to me is just what, because before that they're in the boiler room and she's like, and you, I don't spell my name with two L's or two N's or whatever. Because they're just like making out, right? They're right. not like, and he's, a, he doesn't want to recognize her. Right. All they do is make out. And, she, and he's like, you know, us down here in the boiler room, like, I, you know, don't say anything. And so then when she tells that to Rayanne, he's like, she's like, why? Why isn't, is he being a scumbag? Like, she recognizes it right away. Because she plays this game. But I think that's what she says is like, but I don't get hurt. Like, I, my feelings aren't involved. But that's not the same for Angela. Is that why the episode's called Self-Esteem? Because Angela's finding her She finally, yeah, I think so. She finally, like, sticks up for herself. Otherwise, she was just like, yeah, she was just like his side piece, secret thing. And how much more the intimacy of holding hands than, like, kissing. And that's what Rayanne even acknowledges. Like, she says it wrong, but she's like, it's an erogenous zone. Like, for her, it's like, it's, it is it's special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just, I love that episode so much. If I had to watch just one episode forever, that would be the episode. I love it so much. Do you have a favorite episode? Uh, I always like the art. I like any of the episodes where you see Angela cry <laughs> because she's just so good at it. But she's like so our good. town definitely like when everybody hurts comes in on the first episode and she's like goes to her mom's bed. Like I don't know that I have a favorite episode, but there's definitely at least like little like spots of certain episodes that like speak to me. Good moments. Yeah. Kristen, any standout moments for you? I mean, now that you've described self-esteem, I do. I blow really my blow. Like you read second. the script out loud. I basically. love that. The mm-hmm. one that I'm probably going to go watch again next is I've always loved the fashion show episode. <laughs> it's got the Anya song at yeah, the end. It does. And I don't know. I just always thought <laughs> it was kind of a quirky episode that, again, as a mother-daughter, like. You like that kind of storyline. I do line. like that storyline, yeah. I really liked the Zip episode. Um, I thought it was well written, and this is the oh, one, with the list. The list, yeah. yeah. There's, it starts off with a couple of uh, teenage boys have written this list of like cat, like you know, the the anti version of like most likely to succeed. It's all just like you know, they're all bad to like just lascivious. Where it's like, who's got the best ass in the school? And Shannon winds up on the list. Sharon of, or Sharon, sorry, winds up on the Deborah. list of having the uh, Deborah <laughs> having the best boobs, and it sends her <coughs> off into a tailspin but i think that episode is really well constructed just as a piece of writing thematically because the, they they bring in this concept of kafka and the metamorphosis and is everything about being a teenager right where just things are changing your body is physically changing you're experiencing all these crazy emotions for the first time and i love kind of that moment at the end where sharon and angela have kind of a, a reckoning where you know, Angela says, you know, you know, basically like, I, I wish I had your body. And she says, I wish I had yours in not so many words, just sort of that recognizing like, yeah, everybody's going through this different ways, but like everybody's in high school is just so fucking confused and, and, uh, hormoned out of their minds. Angela delivers such a mean burn though, to Sharon, who she knows clearly like is very like sensitive or, or, um, hyper aware of her boobs like oh I heard congratulations I heard you were on the list both of them or something yeah. I don't know exactly how she, it's such a sick burn and it's so it's just so on point to like hurt Sharon yeah well it says you have no value beyond these two organs right. it <laughs> just it sucks she's not mean very often either yeah. it's like a side of her you don't see often but the two of them are mean to each other because they know exactly how to hit each, mm-hmm. because they've been best friends since like 
birth. Yeah. They know exactly what to hit and what those like sensitive spots are. Yeah. yeah. Is that the same episode where it's like hold my hand as much as it hurts? No, that's totally different. That's when the, the dad, dad heart attack. Yeah. That's when they kind of come back together a lot yeah. more. They bond over her. Oh, you know, she's like her fear. It's is that life with Brian? They don't want to be fr- like Claire Danes doesn't know how to like react to share. Not Claire, but Angela doesn't know how to like approach Sharon. Sharon. And yeah. then Sharon's like, "You're the one person I wanted to like yeah. be there for me, and you weren't." Which is a, a nice sweet episode. moment for yeah. the two of them. Well, she they, says yeah. she was being hands off on purpose because she didn't want to you know, bother her or, you know, kind of get in the way. and Well, and they haven't been that close. So, like, for her to, like, come back. It's like we have those, like, certain things happen in your family life where it's like you expect these people that you haven't talked to in a long time to kind of come and be there for you, and either they are or they aren't. And it kind of, like, speaks a lot about that. Agreed. Yeah, we've all had that kind of experience where Mm -hmm. people that should have stepped up did not. Right. And that telling. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that they were able to, like, work yeah, work it through like it happened. Yeah, I think they ultimately kind of their un- lo- the like, love for each other was more valuable than I think the stubbornness. Yeah, I really like the Life of Brian episode. I think it was a really unique. I don't think that that was as that sort of changing the the POV. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't feel like that was that. Um, I think it was unique for its time. You get a like. I don't know. Do you guys watch that? Um, What's the new Mindy Kaling show on Netflix that I like? <laughs> oh, gosh, I can't remember. Uh, Never Have I Ever. Yeah, we watched that. That was good. But they have, in the first season, they had one episode that was from a different, from one of the boys' point of views. And mm-hmm. then in the second season, they had from both main boys' point of views, from different episodes. It was fun because you, it's totally a different, um, I thought it was really fun. And that seems like it's one of the, the, precursors to that kind of thing there's a lot of stuff about tv from the 90s that is very transitional because everything from the 80s and earlier followed such a kind of a stodgy formula mm-hmm. and and in the 90s you started to see shows buck that both comedies and dramas like mm-hmm. I, I can think of there was an episode of homicide that was just blew me away because they they did it all as like it was it was a play almost it was just like one long scene as they just interrogated this guy um and it was like there was lots of shows like that this is one of them where like yeah exactly they're going to take a narrative chance and go we're going to follow brian's point of view they did the one that mostly follows danielle the sister's point of view as well they did it twice the weekend right right yeah um so uh, you know it's it's fun to watch these shows start to take these chances to where you see where tv's gone it would have been really fun in in later seasons to see other characters povs like a new like a ray ann pov episode Mm -hmm. or a ricky yeah um but i like the life of brian that's where they have the dance right i think that's where they have the dance because brian's trying to get angela to go with but then he asks the other girl. Oh, okay. And then Angela says, like, I want to ride there. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that they're going together. And, and he tells the other girl no. Yeah, he's just... Uh, he's so unfortunate. You're just an asshole when you're 15 and 16. You're just, like, you need to know. But there's this... During the season... During the whole series, there's this... A lot of times where I think they say, well, why are you how you are? And they, some, for some reason, I think that it's, like, Jordan then turns the tables on Angela and says that to her. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really fun scene. It's a really fun, like, little scene. She's like, how am I? Yeah. And then at the end with the dance, and then Ricky is able to really, like, have fun and, like, he like, dances and, yeah. and just have so much fun. It's a really nice end of the scene. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why Delia, like, she has a crush on him. She has a crush on him, even though he's unobtainable. And I like how that she, she knows sort of, that. She recognizes that at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I think relationships when you're this age are so fumbling. You know, you are going to make tons of mistakes. I, I know I did. I'm sure all of you did stuff back then. You're like, ah, I if I know what I know now, I would have not made that choice. And it's like you, you give these characters so much grace to fuck up because that's what this age is. Like, that's what you do. So as we're kind of rounding in towards the end here, uh, I, I always ask this question, you know, why do you think it is that people have still loved the show and, you know, kept those DVD box sets. Which you know. I have mine. Yep. Oh, good. I've taken it to, get rid of to it. like, every move. Like, mm-hmm. okay, we've gotten rid of our DVD player, and I, I still have all these DVDs, <laughs> and I, I was like, I'm going to throw this away. And Tony's like, no, you can't throw Well, you try to DVD. offer them. You try to pawn like, them off. So I was going to give it to you still. Like, I can't throw, bring myself to throw it away. Good. Like, 
it's a relic. Even though you can like watch it on Hulu, we watch them on wherever yeah, we yeah, watched. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But why do you think it is that you know forget the the media like you know whether it's digital or not, but the show itself like why do you think you can't give it up? It's nostalgic. I mean, just yeah. like anything else, it represents our teenage years coming of age, and um, it's just so fun to go back in time and watch it again. And the acting is great. It just it definitely evokes feelings. In an acute way that are just not, you know, I, we're, we're all parents, like we're all working where it's a different, you don't have the luxury of having such high emotions constantly. And it is, it just, it definitely, oh, that same thing. It just <laughs> makes you feel all of your feelings all at once. And it is really special. I feel like we could have actually talked a lot more about this, but it, just finding small little bits. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it does. I mean, I just I remember being so angsty at that age. And we all were. And we were, oh, we loved all these boys. And there was all this stuff. And there was, everything was so dramatic. I mean, I remember my mom being like, why do you care what your friends think about all of these things? Like, what does it matter? Like, it's it's not that big of a deal. It was so, everything was a big fucking yeah. deal when we were 15 years yeah. old. Yeah. Every conversation you had with some boy was a big fucking deal. Mm-hmm. And this, I think, spoke to that. Yeah. In a way that like your parents didn't understand and that is capture. It's a time capsule of that. Yeah. I think it like imprinted on us or me when it was like, I was at like an impressionable age. Like had I watched it at like in my twenties, maybe I would have really enjoyed it, but I don't know that I would have like kept going back to it. So like there's certain things about like our 15 and 16, like I still listen to Jewel. Like, I still listen to, like, Matchbox, like, all maybe Matchbox 20 was a little bit later, but, like, still that same time frame where, like, you're just kind of, like, soak, you're sponging and you're, like, soaking up all these things and, like, you keep going back to those things. How did we, re- how did you rewatch it when we were teenagers? Like, I think it was on MTV. No, I didn't oh, rewatch had, it. I mean. They had reruns? Re- watching stuff? it, like. We watched it live okay. or like watching it like with your DVDs. I think we went through them. Yeah. But I think in college it was, on, it re-aired on MTV. So it had like a resurgence Yeah, um, in the late, late twenties or, or I'm sorry, late nineties or early two thousands. It was on MTV and I think it was kind of on a loop. Yes. Yes. Um, so that did have a bit of a re- resurgence. And then every, I think all of us in college would have had like the college cable had MTV. So I want to say like, like freshman year. Mm. I think the show is incredibly authentic. I was really imp- sort of impressed by the way, it, you know, there's it's for a, a stage of life we all went through. I think TV writers or movie writers trying to write what teenagers are like, it's oddly hard to do. And there's very few works of fiction like this that talk about this, you know, point in a person's life and really capture like what it feels like to be in this you know physical and emotional headspace um i think you know, I, I name checked the breakfast club earlier i that's probably the only other one that comes to mind is being close to representing you know what it really feels like to be a teenager what it's like to go through those emotions to have your heart broken to have it like put back together again to have your friends um, you know, to have you screw things up with your friends and have them screw things up with you and try to put all of that stuff back together. Um, th- th- this show very, very capably puts that on screen in a way that like, it's, it's such a rare thing. It's one of a kind. And that's why I think people keep going back to it because I can't think of anything that's come out since this, that does this as well as it does. Uh, I, with, I, yeah. I mean, incredibly talented, I mean, talented actors, Claire Danes is amazing. She's in my, I don't know, is this politically incorrect? I feel like she's in my Brokeback 3. We've oh, talked wow. about that forever. <laughs> um, but Jared Leto, you know, he's an Oscar Went winner. on to win an Oscar. Some um, of them, though, like, they disappeared completely. I randomly, like, found um, Brian Krakow on Instagram not that long ago. Yeah, really? As an actor. Oh, does he? Yeah. He's yeah, just, I like, see, a I surfer dude. I've seen him, like, yeah. posting random. Well, like, you know, when we're, we were in senior year in high school in 1999, and oh, we were, right. and I met I met Jordan Catalano, aka mm-hmm. Jared Leto, at this taco surf over there mm-hmm. on PCH. Yeah, I think it's still in my senior yearbook, like the picture of That's us, fun. and that was really fun. And I'm 99 percent sure he was stoned AF. <laughs> the pictures, like his eyes, are so wide and dilated, um, and my face, I don't oh, know if sure. it's ever been a bigger smile. 
I'm like, my mouth is large. It was like my entire face. That's fun. You got to take like yeah. a picture of that picture so you don't lose it forever. And I should probably, when I share this podcast. That would be fun. If you I might it. have to find that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's fun. That's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, guys, I, I think we've, we've covered it. Uh, anything anybody else wants to, to say before we just do a little quick closing stuff? I just, if anybody's listening, you need to watch this show. Kristen has DVDs. <laughs> yes. Please email, email Kristen. You. At... you better not you give those away. Out yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any other final thoughts? Uh, no, I'm good. All right. Well, I uh, hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, we've got some good stuff coming, coming up soon. Uh, we've got an episode on Rugrats in the works. I know uh, we've talked about doing one on Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. So um, if you have thoughts on dishes are done, Uh, if you have thoughts on that, if you have thoughts on this episode, our recent ones on fallen angels, masters of the universe, ducktales, tweet all that stuff to at nostalgia pod on Twitter or find us on Instagram and messages over there. And uh, of course, if you like the show, please do drop us a review. That really helps with the podcast visibility so if you just want to put a star rating you want to write something uh, whatever you want to do we'd appreciate it but uh, that's all the admin stuff so uh, until next time that is one more entry in the Nostalgia Arcana and dance by the light of the moon uh, yeah what was it like uh, shooting your new movie The Rainmaker oh it was great working with Francis Ford Coppola he's you know amazing excuse me mm-hmm. yeah me again. Hi. Uh, what were your SAT scores? <laughs> That's actually a funny story. I went to the Oscars the night before and I was totally out of it. I don't even think I finished the test. <laughs> Isn't that funny? No. I, I got the highest score in the history of Florida. I didn't get into Yale. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, next question. Yeah, I would like to date you. That's sweet, but I don't think so. Uh, how about you? You started in that TV show about high school, right? Uh, yeah, My So-Called Life. Yeah, well, it says in here that you didn't even go to high school. But you still got into Yale. <laughs> I-, I sort of went to high school. I mean, I had tutors on the set of Romeo and Juliet. Tutors? Huh? My boy stayed in his room seven years studying. His muscles atrophied and he developed a dependency to no-dose. Please tell me he got into Yale. Why don't you ask him? No, I did not. I really am sorry.